Welcome to To Be A Terrier, Stephen Chicken here, joined by David Hartrick. David, how are you doing? Not bad at all, how are you mate? Good, thank you. We're really coming up with a lot of uh, exciting variation on these intros, aren't we? Something different every time. Keep keep the listeners on their toes. <laughs> yeah, high energy start as always from us. <laughs> well, good segue there. Huddersfield Town did not get off to a high energy start against Bournemouth at the weekend, unfortunately. Um, we have had three games. Apologies, we, we missed an episode last week for various reasons. It just wasn't wasn't possible to get together until sort of Friday. And then it was like, well, <laughs> for the sake of a podcast that's going to last a few hours, let's just uh, let's just wait until after the Bournemouth game. So apologies for that. But um, we'll, we will touch briefly on, on the two games that came before. Uh, they beat Hull City 2-0. Two set pieces. Um, I think it was the result we expected, really, Dave, wasn't it? I mean, sort of job done 2-0. Yeah, uh, we can't really complain about that when we've spent a lot of time over the last couple of seasons saying they're the exact results that Town don't tend to get. Um, and I think that they were more than good enough for that 2-0 as well. I thought it was a... I thought they kept Hull at arm's length in a way that other sides have done to them over the last couple of years, really. Um, and it was, I, yeah, I just thought it was a very sort of professional, grown-up performance, really. Yeah, I think Dwayne Holmes made a big difference going into the starting lineup. Uh, he more than merited his goal, I thought. He had a, a really good showing. Um, and obviously they kept his place against Birmingham. And I think across the two games, it was, as you say, I think mature is exactly the right way to put it. Um, you know, the the, the back line um, were just, you know, and Tom Lee's in both games again, you know, Tom Lee's fan club this, this podcast recently, but he really has been that good this season. Um, and, and I thought Dwayne Holmes was, again, really good against, but I thought first half against Birmingham was one of the best attacking performances we've seen from any individual this season was, was Holmes against Birmingham. He was he was at the centre of everything and unfortunately had a bit of a quieter second half and Town never really looked like, well, no, that's not true. I was about to say they never looked like scoring. That's that's not true at all. But um, again, just something we'll come on to in a bit, just that lack of ruthlessness. They, they created chances. Um, they did actually create chances, but they weren't able to turn them into, into goals. No, and it was it was a shame because that game was was there for the taking, really. But like, it's difficult. It's difficult again. That the problem is with this podcast is we've got three games really that are quite difficult to really get passionate about and excited about because it's sort of a fairly routine win, a routine draw that was a bit drab, but it was sort of you know it's as a point goes, it was fine, and then a, a routine defeat really. I think the the Birmingham game was. Birmingham are a better side than their league position and I, I can't I think that Birmingham could have caught Town cold a couple of times but yeah. Town always looked to have the upper hand they were very very unlucky twice with Fraser Campbell hitting the post yeah but it was just a game that sort of came and went nobody will <laughs> nobody will ever remember it <laughs> no I'm struggling to, to, to think of, of, of much to say about it uh, four days later let alone you know four years later um, but yeah, I, th- I think I think ideally they would have liked to win against Birmingham. It was obvious that Corbrand picked the team to win that game. Um, I think there was an argument, and we were curious ourselves as to see whether he would um, rotate his side against Birmingham to then have his best eleven against Bournemouth, or whether he would go the other way. And he he did, you know, he he picked stuck with the team that had beaten Hull against Birmingham, and then as a result had to make changes against Bournemouth uh, a couple of days later. Uh, what what do you make of that? I mean, it's uh, not to sort of... I don't think the rotation is why Huddersfield Town lost that game at Bournemouth. Um, but um, but but what, what did you make to that, Dave? Um, I think last season we were very critical of the approach to that Bournemouth away game where they made six changes and it was a team built to wave the white flag from the off, really. And they lost... 5-0 could have been a lot worse than that. The performance probably deserved worse than that. I think we both have said before that we thought Carlos Colbran thought they were going to lose that game 2-0, um, but they didn't. They got absolutely routed. This time, they've rotated again, but I can understand it far more. I don't yeah. think this was ever about a surrender or giving up on a game. The, the fact is, you've got to... 
you do have to plan and target certain games and they're going from this they've got a week off to recover and then they're into a three game week where mm. they've got Millwall at home which is going to be a, a slog it's going to be a tough game they've got Peterborough away which is a, an away game you have to target and you have to look at that as they've got to try and win that and then they've got Cardiff who have sacked their manager now and you feel like they can't possibly be as bad <laughs> as they have been and at some point have got to start playing up to the talents of their squad so you look at this Bournemouth away trip and you think well yeah it was it was probably right to rotate here but I think it shows the difference in the squad as well that Town could make four changes and it did not feel like a significantly weaker side to me if I'm honest um, obviously it's different because they have just had kept the same 11 twice in a row but it does go to show the, the, the sort of strength in the squad and the options in the squad now I, I mean I love lobbied for four changes but I would have made a couple of different changes I I would have had Sorber out of that side because I think he needs he needs a rest which hopefully he's going to get this week um, but yeah I, I get it this time and I think the intention this time is completely different I think last year it was about just trying to get through the 90 minutes and move on to a game they felt was more winnable I think this time it was more a case of let's see what we can get anything we do get is a bonus but we've got to rotate here because we've got some tired legs. Um, so, yeah, I, I get it, really. I understand it. It didn't feel like surrender to me. And more than that, I think it, it when you look at who's actually come in and why, I think I think he wanted Turton in this game because he's on paper offers more defensively than Silver Thomas does. He's, you know, he's, he's more of an out-and-out fullback. So he, it was more of a 5-2-3 you know, a, a than a 3-4-3 than a, a three, three really on the day. Um, although Corbrand did say afterwards he felt the, the wing-backs were a bit too deep, so perhaps that wasn't intentional. Um, but I think he wanted Turton in the side. I think he, he wanted Campbell in the side for this game, for what he does in the press. Um, obviously, Colwell had to come out because he was suspended. I'm sure he would have played otherwise. Um, and and the other one is putting in Karoma for Holmes. And I think it, it was it was obvious right away when the team sheet came out what the what the approach was, because you've taken out Holmes and Sinani, who had been... who against Burnham Birmingham, Birmingham yeah. it wasn't really a 3-4-3 against Birmingham, it was more of a 3-4-2-1. Um, with with Sonani and Holmes both playing as as pretty much out and out tens rather than as as wingers who were sort of playing as false tens, and uh, so to take them out for for Silver Thomas and Josh Gromer, it's like okay, and and to put Ollie Turton in as well, it's like okay, so they're gonna they're gonna try and absorb and hit on the counter like they've they've got you know the three three quick players up top there, um, and and that's the plan and and that was the plan. I mean, Gorbrand did say after the game basically all but said that the plan was basically just what they'd done at Sheffield United which is get to half time um goalless or at least still in the game and uh and then see see where you are at that point and you've got options from the bench that that you can bring on to change it um and unfortunately I think he he put it perfectly when he said you need 90 minutes to win a game like that but you can lose it in just a few and and that's exactly what happened you know within 21 minutes I believe it was they were 2-0 down yeah uh, I think Bournemouth like you can't rule out how good Bournemouth are. Bournemouth have got the the whiff of Norwich last season to me, where yeah, big time. they feel like they're a team on loan from the Premier League rather than one who's trying to get out of the Championship. And I think that Bournemouth's sort of when they got relegated, their squad was a bit bloated and they had one or two issues. I think they've had some time to course correct that. And they've got a manager who knows how to set their attacking four or five out, depending how he wants to play, in the right way. I don't think there's many teams going to the vitality this season and getting much, if I'm honest. And they can just take a game away from you. The penalty, I think it's worth discussing, because I saw a lot of people who were very, very down on Turton for their challenge, etc. Me included. <laughs> a lot, Yeah, a lot of people who think the penalty was soft. I I must admit I've watched it again this morning a few times and I I don't know I think the problem is there for me Turton has to make a challenge he can't just let Slanky go for the ball there completely unchallenged I I just think he gets done by a very clever striker if I'm honest um I don't think it's like a I don't think it's a huge mistake and you know it's all down to him etc I think he just I think it's a very clever piece of striking play if I'm honest I think he... 
I, I mean, it's easy to say watching back on the replay. I think he can let Solanke take a touch there because the touch he takes is is away from goal. Um, and then you sort of you face him up afterwards. But I have to say, I I thought it was a penalty watching it live. And the replays, I, I understand the argument that people are making that it was soft. But I even even watching the replay several times, it's like ugh, I don't think there's enough there for me to say that it's definitely not a penalty. Um, so you can understand it being given. But yeah, I mean, I think it was... I don't think Turton had a good game. I don't think anyone really for town had a particularly good game, to be honest. But I think Turton had an especially poor one. Um, it wasn't his only... The only time he showed in the game that he he, he isn't used to playing against players of, of that calibre, of, you know, of a Solanke. Or I thought uh, Christie as well was excellent on the day, uh, playing on the other side to Turton. That's, that's unrelated to Turton. But uh, Billing was basically on him uh, pretty much all game. I think it was evident that they'd said to Phil Billing, just go and operate that in that space between uh, Pearson and, and Turton. And that's exactly what he did. And that's how they got the second goal um, because Turton was nowhere near Billing, really. He was just, I'm not sure he could have done much about it, even if he had been close to him. Um, but that left Pearson with, with two men to cover. He was caught between Billing and Solanke. And um, unfortunately, when Billing headed it across, it was an easy finish for Solanke. It was, but there's, I mean, there's a couple of things that makes it sound very simple. I thought it was a lovely little deep was, ball yeah. into Billing. It was a great, it was a great move and a great goal that. But I also think it's not just certain that. I think it's it's those pockets of space are the pockets you have to give up if you want to play a back three. Mm. And Town are playing a back three. So uh, any analyst watching that game who wants to analyse Huddersfield Town will will be looking at those spaces. And unfortunately, there's not a lot you can do about it when you have a player in the form that Billing is, who was. I mean, he was uh, for for a lot of that first half, he was just sort of drifting out, doing doing what he wanted really, um, yeah. and he. Was was worrying that whoever was sort of within 10 yards of him he was worrying them to the point where they were completely forgetting to do their day job and that wasn't just Turton it was it was anyone he was near really yeah and the problem is is that second goal just takes the game away from town because at, even at one nil at half time you think we've we're still in it at least the chance of a point is still there but at 2-0 down it it feels like a mountain to climb already it it feels huge and the thing was I don't think Town had built any momentum in the game they'd not managed to string any passes together they've not managed to put any uh, moves together and Bournemouth were just so proactive on the ball that I think Town they were just a different level of opposition to what Town have faced Fulham weren't as proactive on the ball as as Bournemouth were Um, you know Bournemouth the way they're playing this season they don't really care who they're playing against they just want to make every game about them and that's exactly what Norwich did as well last season and it's it's very very difficult for a team like Town who do like to do a lot of their work off the ball to to sort of create certain uh, pockets of space for when they win it it's very very difficult for them to find an effective way to play against that that Bournemouth setup Mm. because the the thing is it was interesting when Town did have the ball it's not like Bournemouth has got some crazy high line press or anything like that they just stay compact and then when they win it they're just confident they're going to have the lion's share for the next three minutes yeah (laughs) it's it's they're just oozing confidence and at 2-0 you thought okay this could be a very very long afternoon again and I think it would be fair to say that half time whistle couldn't have come soon enough for town but second half I thought they were better I thought they were yeah, better yeah, they, they, were. They, were, they were competing change of shape helped and a change of personnel helped a bit but you've got to sort of take what you can from these games and, and take take moments into the next game and I thought second half they were they were unlucky with that with that goal etc but they did at least compete and go toe to toe with Bournemouth for a good 25 minutes of that half I'd say yeah so you know there is positives to take from it which is weird to say after you've you've just had a 3-0 defeat yeah I think not a huge number of positives I think I think Tom Lees and Carlos Corbran as I say sort of said it best they both said that that basically Bournemouth scored with their first two chances and Town did have moments on the counter where they could have created something so Gary Cahill had a Stephen Gerrard style moment where he gave the ball away to, to Campbell on the halfway line um, and Campbell 
Woods wasn't wasn't able to to get towards goal quick enough, and he ended up getting forced out wide. They had another one early in the second half um, where where Campbell could have either if he'd got it if he'd taken the shot on his left foot early enough, he could have got a clean shot away, or the better option would have been to have slipped in Karoma. But he got caught sort of trying to sort his feet out and try to get onto his right foot, and by the time he got across, it was you know everything had gone. They had the goal disallowed. It was already three nil by that point, but questionable decision um you found a a, a screen, screenshot where it looks like he is offside we've seen ones i've seen ones where it looks like he wasn't so um you know benefit i the... think I, I i think he was just offside but it's such a marginal decision yeah. that it, like in the championship you wouldn't necessarily expect that to be given if i'm brutally honest rightly or wrongly yeah and also i mean i know these things <laughs> i know these things shouldn't come into it but you also wouldn't expect such a marginal offside to be given at three nil down away from home if i'm brutally honest you would have thought the officials, even though they won't do it consciously, you might have thought they, uh, they might have leaned towards matter. town. But, you know, it is it is what it is. And I think <laughs> town have been unlucky the last two games. The the Karoma shot that hit the bar was brilliant. Fraser Campbell hitting the woodwork twice in the last, last game against uh, Brum. I think they could have had more against Hull, if I'm brutally honest. I think I texted you at half-time and said there's three or four here if they want it. They, they We're coming back to the same sort of argument with Town over this this sort of period of games that they've got to find ways to be a bit more clinical. They've, they've got to take the chances they get, haven't they? Yeah, I... I think unlucky might be a little bit generous, to be honest. I think there's a point where it becomes a pattern, and they've failed to score in five of their last seven games. Um, you know, and that they've got three and two in the other two games, but but still, you know, they've they've not created a huge number of chances from open play. Um, they've not scored from open play other than against Blackburn. Uh, you know, the, the two goals against Hull were, were set-piece goals. And I don't think they're a million miles off. This is the thing. I think this is where you're saying they're unlucky. And, and I agree with, you know, mm-hmm. Corbrand said after Birmingham, he thought the first half was as good as they've been in attack. And I know what he means in terms of their movement and in terms of having men around the box in the right places and try to play through you know they did have chances against Birmingham one went across the box for Ward that he didn't quite get to there was another one where Ward was slightly off the first minute where he was slightly offside from a, a Thomas Cross but he'd forced the keeper to tip it over the bar and you know you mentioned the two Campbell chances as well um, so I agree it's you know Luton as well you know there was the one where Sonani got through and could have played Karoma and then it just got caught up in on the wet turf and, and Tuffalo not crossing yeah yeah exactly and Bournemouth again you know the ones that we've mentioned there, there were moves there it's just I think that if you look at sort of any of those games in isolation you would probably say oh well they have been a bit unlucky there but it's when you've had sort of four of them in a row and they've as I say, failed to score in five out of seven. It is a pattern at that point, and it is a little bit of right that they need to they need to sharpen up here. Like they need to find that extra five percent sharpness in attack because otherwise this could become a bit of an issue for them. Yeah, and I think throwing forward to the games ahead, they've got to find a way to score against Millwall, who are going to be incredibly compact and tight, go into a low block, and they're going to say, right, you come and break us down. They're going to go to Peterborough, who are really, really good on the counter. I don't know if people are aware of, of Dembele, but he is he is lightning quick and very, very good, and he's, he's bound for bigger and better things, as these players at Peterborough seem to be, at least once a season. Um, um, so they need to be careful there. They're going to have to play against a team who are likely, even though they're the home side, who are likely going to do a, a very similar job to Millwall. And then they're going to go to Cardiff. And I, I would suggest that they're going to have to score to get a point at Cardiff. Yeah. Um, because Cardiff will be very, very different. There is a team who are underperforming when you look through their squad. So there are, there are, mo- there are times where this is going to become a bigger and bigger issue. And it's... Like I know you've written an article about it this morning and I sent you a message saying this is the eternal Huddersfield Town article. This is the problem. And there'll be people listening to this who are screaming, oh, well, they need a number 10 or they need a number 9 or they need a number 10 and a number 9 or they just need a passing number 8. The thing is, there are at various times when they've had variations of those players, Smith-Rowe, Iting, I mean, even going back to Moy, um, and mm-hmm. it's still been an issue. And it's... 
I think in a 3-4-3 as well, it's it's very you have to play in certain patterns because you have to you have to protect certain spaces. And Carlos Corbran is quite keen on his numerical advantages in certain areas of the pitch. Yeah. And where he where he wants his overlaps, where he wants his underlaps and where he wants his cover. And I think the problem is that being creative is about being risk averse. And that's not in a three four three. It's very very difficult to to take a load of risks and to be really bold and really go for it. So I don't I don't quite know how that how that issue is solved in this system. If I'm honest, um, and that's not to say this system doesn't work because look where Huddersfield Town are in the table. But I think they need to come up with some variations now, even within the three four three itself, and they need to find ways to ask a couple of different questions at this point. I think that's probably why we saw that decision to put in homes for Coroma, for instance, against yeah. and, and Birmingham. Yeah. I think and it worked. It yeah, worked. exactly. I think he's aware of it, and I think someone is. Uh, I'm sure this will. There's someone on Twitter who this will annoy, but uh, you know, I'm sure losing Vallejo didn't help because that that sort of removes an option for midfield in certain games, even if it's just from the bench, um, to mm. bring in on for Jonathan Hogg or to add him as a as an extra midfielder. Um, that that last. 20 minutes half an hour of the Birmingham game was crying out for Vallejo mm. to come on and just try and try and pick a pass forward or two definitely the, there was another message we got uh, after the Birmingham game that, that you got in response to your conclusions which I think was bang on which is that they were crying out for Jordan Rhodes in that game um, yeah I agree with that yeah yeah definitely uh, and the other the other big miss is Pippa of course um, who and you know these are um yeah, these are players that we expect to be back over the next sort of couple of weeks to a month. Um, and they might need a bit of time, particularly, you know, Pippa, who's been, been struggling with that injury for a long, long time, might need a bit of time. Who knows? Jordan Rhodes as well. It's, you know, he's barely played for It's a new club for him, let's not forget. Might also need a bit of time, but there are players due to come back. And I think, you know, we, we I've sort of <laughs> almost become a running joke at this stage that I'll take all the blame off the strikes and say it's all about creation. I don't think that's true. I think when you look at, as a, you know, a couple of those ones, we those moments missed against Bournemouth were, were down to Campbell. Um, so, you know, I think there is room for, for improvement up front for sure. Uh, but they've also, they've got four options, two of whom haven't really played this season uh in in Meepo and and Jordan Rhodes um and people keep asking where Meepo is just to update on that again he he missed the whole game because he had been feeling unwell and you know he'd come back um the, the the second week of the international break he'd been ill so he was out of the squad for that but the other games he, he'd been back in training it's just not being selected it's as simple as that and we've you know we've said is he you know <laughs> we've asked how far away is he set and Carlos has said look I'm not saying he's not going to get chances, but he came in the day before the transfer deadline day. Um, he's not had a pre-season with us. He needs time to adapt. It's not to say he's not going to get chances at some point. And I think that's frustrating at the moment when you know fans are you know uh, are crying out for a striker and they've got one there and they're not playing him. But if Corbrand feels he's not ready yet, then he's not going to play him. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's also difficult when I would say that Danny Ward has, um, since the Blackburn game, uh, you know, I know he hasn't scored, but he's been playing. This is his best spell of form in a township. He was good against Hull. Yeah, pretty good against Hull and, and close close like, to that goal in against Birmingham as well. Scored, had that one disallowed against Bournemouth. He has, yeah, he's he's been better. The, the, the other thing is, it's worth saying, is that the way Town are setting up from kickoff in the 3 4 3, like, you can put all the strikers you want there, but they have. <laughs> They don't play quite with a false nine, but it's not a striker role. It's not a traditional centre-forwards role. So you can't just say, all right, well, if we had a better striker, we'd score more goals because it's not really just about the way they play. It's about the, the chances town create and the way they they operate now and i think that where town are missing is like you say like i can't remember who it was who tweeted me but they were spot on against the birmingham game last 20 minutes when you want to try and load up the box a bit you want a poacher you want jordan Rhodes there trying to get on the end of stuff but from the start i can sort of understand if he's had a look at me and said you're not going to do the same job for us that danny ward is or fraser campbell is as sort of first understudy I can actually completely understand it, if I'm honest. Um, Mm. But I am at the point where you've got three games next week, two of them away, all three for tricky, for for different reasons. 
I, I think you could. I think you have to rotate a little bit through those games. And I, I mean, surely Mipo must be at least ready to come off the bench for twenty minutes. Would you think? Yeah, I mean, I think these things are always hard to say when they've not been playing because you know it's a similar sort of story with Rolando Aaron's where Corbrenner said, you know, it's it's just we've. He keeps saying he's he's only going to pick players that he thinks are at the right level to perform. And if they're not playing, it's really hard for you or I, or impossible really for you or I to say yeah. how far away they are. You know, they they could be they could be one training session away from right. You're in the starting lineup next game, or it could be you know he wants you know he thinks they're not going to play until you know he can't see them playing anytime soon. It's it's hard, and he's not going to come out and say that publicly because. There's no, there's no incentive for him to do that in either direction. Um, no, no, it's. I don't. I think that. I think it's nice to be at this point of the season and Town have got 21 points and they're sit. I think they. What what have they gone down to eighth? Is it seventh? Yeah, or eighth? eighth. Eighth. But it's everyone nice from fifth to, to everyone from fifth to eleventh has the 21 points. Yeah, yeah. But it. But it's nice to sit here and think. We're talking about fine tuning here. We're talking yeah. about things town need to do better to to kick on. Whereas it it's a it was a lot more desperate <laughs> over the last couple of seasons when they weren't doing this and weren't creating enough and scoring enough goals and it was costing them. And we were talking about relegation issues and we were talking about the sides around them. So we have to be grateful for small mercies, really. But the 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 other thing is the set piece routines. There's a couple that town absolutely love that have kind of been I wouldn't say completely worked out but if you look at the way opposition defenders are setting up now for instance the one where every player goes to the back post and then they split from there the opposition now are just basically ignoring it other <laughs> than just, Hull who were yes, completely stupid other than completely Hull, fell for it yeah who who are pretty rotten on set pieces anyway but so again it it's about sort of being adaptable through the season and not just assuming because it's worked in three games it's going to work in the next three as well so that's the next phase really because they've they've had this really good start we're over a quarter of the season in nothing happens by accident but to carry it on good size just evolve a little bit as the season goes on so maybe it is Pippa you know maybe Pippa is the the missing ingredient but how do you get Pippa Sorba Thomas and Donnell Sanani into the same team mm. I think 4-2-3-1 does it um, this is I think we talked about this previously so I'm not going to bang on about it again but I think it is I think Sorba Thomas we've still not seen him have a really good game on the wing yet and I think partly that's because he's most when he's been picked on the wing, it's mostly been um, for for tricky away games. Um, so yeah. um, you know, I, there's a there's a question mark there. Really, uh, I'm not sort of writing him off in that position, but it is true that we've not really seen all his best. He likes have to, been at wing back, really. Yeah, he likes to come from a bit deeper. There's no denying that. And the thing about the four two three one is we. I think we, I think we wrote in pre season that it may be worth looking at and employing in certain games. It just doesn't seem to be a system that Carlos Corbran really likes. Um, I mean, I think thinking back in his time at town, I think he's maybe played it once or twice, mm. um, if that. So it doesn't feel like a system he is comfortable coaching in and, and particularly likes. So so I don't know because you'd say Pippa's natural role in that team is Sorba Thomas's current place. And Sorba Thomas, then if you just shuffle him forward, I think I don't think Sorba Thomas can do what Sinani does, which is effectively play as a 10 in that space. Do you need it with Pippa there? I don't know, but then do you need more defensive cover to allow Pippa to roam? Yeah. I don't know, it's 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 tricky. It's the, the more options, more problems, Steve. Yeah, I think it's yeah, that's it. I think it's good to have those options, but it's it is tricky to deploy them at the right times and you know, I think it's it's maybe a bit old fashioned to talk about oh he doesn't know his best eleven because I think especially Corbran he will adapt his, his approach and his personnel depending on, on the game. That that is, you know, that's the way the game is, uh, these days. But um yeah, I I, I think there are interesting questions when those those players do come back but I think in the here and now <clears throat> as I say it's it's fine-tuning it's just getting that bit sharper it's it's being that little bit more ruthless and I think it's even sort of if you go through the video footage I think it's difficult to point to uh obvious sort of technical 
things that that you can improve on i think it's just it is that uh, almost a mentality thing it is a a willingness to do things a bit more quickly i I think sometimes they do they are guilty of trying to be over elaborate and of trying to play other people in rather than going for for shots themselves kind of thing um and i think that yeah but i think it's it's a number of players who are who you would put a minor criticism against who probably aren't worth singling out for you know a a thousand word piece and saying you know this is no good blah 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 but it's things like you know Lewis O'Brien has been amazing defensively carries the ball through the thirds really well but I think he's still not quite cracked it in the final third yet um, entirely you know I think he still doesn't get as many goals or assists or create as many chances as as he would like to be doing, uh, having talked last season about how he wants to add to the attacking side of his game. We talked before about Toffolo. He's, he's still not created a, a shot from across this season, which you know is, is surely a matter of time. But it's again, it's just one of those, a little thing that needs working on. Sonani, I think, is is very not quite at times. Uh, he has a lot of games where he tries, he has the right ideas and the execution is just a bit lacking. The, there's several players who you'd, you'd say these you know, Karoma, similar kind of thing. I think some games he's been guilty of try of making the wrong runs consistently and things like that. So I think it's I think it's these are all players that we like and who we think, you know, we would put in our best eleven, but there's just these little things they need to just hone that mm. that because they're all doing these little things just slightly wrong, everything's sort of falling apart at a certain point. Whereas if even sort of two or three of them were able to sort of fine tune it, town would get a lot more out of games, I think. If here's a question then. If you were to put town into a four two three one tomorrow, let's assume everybody is fit let's run through what that team is because Nichols is obviously in goal Toffolo's obviously left and Pippa is obviously right mm-hmm. you're back to Colwell and Lees yeah then in front of them it's got to be Hogg and O'Brien yeah then right hand side Sorber left hand side you put in Karoma yes yeah. You got. I think this is where the issues then are. Who is your ten and who is your nine in that system? I think your nine is. You'd have to go with Danny Ward. Yeah. But who is your ten? Probably Sonani you... or Holmes. Yeah, but neither is a natural ten, are they? That's the problem. I think Sonani's played there plenty, to be fair. But yeah, Holmes is not. I think. I think Holmes has his best performances generally have been playing as as the false 10 from the left. Um, that That's, I mean, I've, I'm keeping track of the ratings we're giving to all the players in each position this season, and left forward is is head and shoulders Holmes' best position this season. You know, he's he's got mm. a seven and a half from four appearances there this season, although two of them are only off the bench, um, whereas the rest of them are all ratings below a six. So, um, but I don't know. I see what you're saying. It is, it is difficult, but I think it's, I don't know. I think the more the more likely thing is that he goes three four three. Uh, sorry, four three three, and you have Sonani playing as the most advanced central midfielder. Um, because then you can also, when when they play that system uh, in a lot of games, they end up basically with um, with O'Brien also pushing up. Like they end up with two tens again. Um, yeah. So it so it, you end up with sort of Sonani and O'Brien both waiting just outside the box, and you've got um, Karoma and and Thomas on on the other side and Hog hangs back a little bit from from Sonani and O'Brien. So I think the 3-4-3 three, three is... It's- Four three three is the more likely alternative, really. Um, mm. But yeah, it's again you sort of I don't know. I, I think I think, as, I think go on. I think as the I think one thing is that you can probably play a four three three a bit better with Pippa because we know he likes to play as the as the ten, and I think that the false ten, and I think that helps Sober Thomas a bit because he can play more as an out and out winger then. And I think the other thing is that the main argument against switching to a four at the back uh, for a lot of people is the set you're losing a player from set pieces but I think as the set piece as we talked about the set piece threat I think was naturally always going to diminish from where it was because they started the season so well that was never going they were never going to score 40 set piece goals this season I think the argument for having a third centre back sort of goes away a little bit and uh, and you could maybe 
talk about wh- whether Pippa is, you know, better enough than Turton that that you can switch to a four without losing your defensive solidity. I think well, one of the reasons I don't really know is that Carlos Corbran, the way he sets his attackers up, either in a four-three-three or a three-five-two or a three-four-three, is his attacking plan is about creating, trying to create as lower risk opportunities for his strikers as possible. So yeah. trying to create chances that are sure things. And I think that the problem is that Town, if they create a sure thing, they score, but they don't create enough of them. And it ends up, they're at the point where they're not taking enough risks now. And I think they've got to get back to a system, particularly away from home, where they are willing to take a few risks. A 3-4-3 is not a great system to counter uh, for a couple of reasons, but it's worked. Again, this isn't a criticism and this isn't, you know, they must immediately chuck it out or anything like that but again I just think it's time to sort of adapt and improvise a little bit now it, it's it's time to just and if it if it takes a couple of games to get going that's fair enough but we're into the second phase of the season now the second quarter of the season so you've got to you've got to take everything you've done and then just add 10% to it again so I don't know, it's, it's, it'll be interesting, I think, when we talk in a month or so's time, if Town are in a 3-4-3 again, to see if there has been any variation to it, and hopefully to be at that point where we are looking at Rhodes and Pippa coming back into it as well. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, as I say, those those injuries make it really interesting um, to, to see what they'll, what they'll do. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, where do you see Town going from here? Because I think... <laughs> I feel like they're at a point where we've been quite soft in our criticism because of their league table position, because they are eighth. They've had a good start to the season. That that defeat at Bournemouth was the first defeat in four games. But I think that, as I say, it feels like things like the the lack of goals from open play or the five goal, five games without, you know, five games in seven without scoring are things that... <laughs> We could easily be sitting here in a month's time going, ah, well, the warning signs were there. Because <laughs> they're. And the, the league table is so congested at the moment that genuinely we could be sitting here after the Cardiff game, which is the third of that, that run of games. We could be sitting here after that Cardiff game and town could be 18th. <laughs> um, or they could be sitting here, we could be sitting here and they're fourth. And it could be, you know, that's, that's in three games' time. It really could go either way. So. What what do you think is the more likely? It's a, it's a and, and you don't question, have you that. don't have and you don't have to pick between those two extremes. By the way, I think obviously the more likely this, is, is somewhere in the middle, isn't it? But but you see, there therein is the problem, Steve. Because all I, like I'm repeating myself again here, but all evidence we've had up until this point with Carlos Corbran is that he does tend to deal in the extremes, good and bad. I've talked about it before um, on more than one occasion, and I think probably on more than one podcast as well. I think he even talked about it on Andy takes that chance. Um, so it's it's different. Difficult. The, what what we've not seen from him are the things we're asking for now, really, which are the subtleties. You know, mm-hmm. having a system that works, but being able to adapt it so that it looks different at the start of the season as it does at the end of the season, so that you're not becoming just increasingly easy <laughs> to play against as the season goes on. Mm. Um, and it's. <sighs> This league is funny this year as well, which is is another big caveat to all this because if the championship is not great this year. I think we're both of that opinion that they're sort of. I think it's three, arguably I, four. Go on. I think it's a lot better than last year, but yeah, there's a definite top three. Uh, you see, I'm not, I'm not so convinced of that <laughs> to be honest because I think that. I, I I think that there's more. I know I know why I know exactly why you're saying that because I think it's more competitive. But I think it's more competitive because there's more sides who aren't that yeah, good. Yeah, if yeah. I'm honest, yeah, rather than enough. it being the level's gone up, and it's one of those leagues where it's going to be quite easy to get yourself in trouble quite quickly. But then the flip side of that is it's also going to be quite easy to get out of trouble if you get yourself in there at any point because three games are massive in this league. <laughs> And seven points over three games will be enough to lift you out of anything. And I just, 
I don't know if it will be somewhere in the middle, Steve, because that's not what Carlos Corbin does. Again, we've come into this this season and we've had a complete change of system, even from what was there in pre-season because of COVID, which has then worked and they've stuck with it and they've worked with it to the degree of being in the playoff places and everything being a lot better. The squad is radically different. I just don't know if they do middle of the road. I mean, mm. I, we've, I've long been the person saying, look, mid-table is absolutely fine and mid-table is progress for Huddersfield Town this year but I just don't know if they do middle of the road I've just not seen any evidence of that and there, there is that worry that if they went on a run and lost four games in a row it wouldn't be overly surprising but the weird thing about Huddersfield Town is if they went on a run and won four games in a row it wouldn't be that surprising and that is... I think that is having Carlos Corbran in charge. <laughs> that is the the all of this is a very long-winded way of saying Steve that in honest truth I just don't know. I I think mm-hmm. all the the analytical side of me says if you look at all the stats if you look at everywhere the needle has moved as long as they keep continuing getting four points from every nine um that is absolutely fine and that is absolutely doable and they should do that without too much pressure. But yeah, they do feel like they are <laughs> They are the toss of the coin from genuinely being playoff contenders or genuinely being relegation candidates. That's just Huddersfield Town at the moment. I just don't know if they can plough that furrow in the middle. What's what's your very long-winded, convoluted answer to this that doesn't actually answer the question? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I... I'd, I'm really struggling at the moment because I've got. If I'm put, if I were to put a pure sort of analyst hat on, I think I'm concerned to be honest because I think the the trends are sort of yeah. you know the the graphs are, go, are all going down at the moment. Um, in conclusion, the graphs are pointing down, so I'm unhappy. Um, <laughs> but, and, but flip side, Steve, they are all graphs that have been going up this season from last season yeah. and are only now coming down so we're worried relatively speaking before anybody yes, says exactly, yeah, chicken yeah, and yeah. heart trick in relegation threats <laughs> yeah exactly um, I, I think that I think there's enough bad teams in this division I, I'd i be staggered if Town ended up in a relegation fight at any point this season um, but <laughs> famous last words I think we said similar things in but January if, if they do from this point we, like we both have to say that is failure oh absolutely that is yeah, yeah, yeah. that is acknowledgeable failure if they do end up in a relegation yeah. fight from here. Yeah, but that's sort of looking at the numbers and looking at your XG and all of that. I think things are sort of on a downward trend at the moment. But then when I try and sort of take a, a bit, as I say, I don't think they're a million miles off in terms of the performances. And I think that the defensive improvement is is pretty huge. I think that shouldn't really be overlooked. Um I'm, I'm still concerned at the lack of. That's my big concern is just the the lack of improvement in attack. But I think, mm. again, as we talked about, it feels like they're not a million miles off that. They, you know, it's. I think if you have, I think what we saw earlier this season is that if they get one player who is just who hits like an incredible run of form, then then that will carry them through the games because they just aren't that that million miles off so they had it with Silver yeah. Thomas earlier this year I think if you know if Lewis O'Brien or Harry Toffler or Danel Sinani or Josh Cromer or any one of them suddenly hits that sort of that rich vein of form then suddenly town will go on a run because of that because that will lift them up to that next level because they really aren't that far off so my, my difficulty with it is that we've we've had this criticism of town mm. as you say for so long and particularly under Carlos Corbran um, and I don't feel like there's ever been a time where they've been consistently score. You know, th- well, there hasn't been a time under Corber and where they've been scoring consistently, scoring lots of goals. Um, there's been plenty of times where they've been playing nice, attractive football, and you know, it's nice to watch and there's nice passing moves. But they had a lot of games last season where they were sort of only scored one even in the first half of the season yeah. they weren't scoring yep. a, a huge number of goals and that's that's my concern really um and we need to see that that's the big needle we need to see move i think the next the next three games are quite big in the context of Huddersfield town season because mm-hmm. if if they're if 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 we need to start talking seriously about Huddersfield Town being playoff contenders, then they take six points from these three games in whatever combination that comes. Mm. So if 
there is real underlying fundamental problems that haven't shifted, then it's going to be a lot worse than that. Four points would be completely acceptable in terms of the wider picture. Particularly you know, with two term, away from home. Yeah, the longer term project. So it will be interesting to see where we are in a fortnight's time, really. Um, but I would, I would say that it sounds like we're being quite down on town. It, we are measuring them against the expectations they've set themselves this season. So it's mm. not like we're going, oh, we're just back where we are, were this time last season, and we're just expecting to fall off the fall off the cliff at any point. I think that's the issue. We're not expecting them to fall off the cliff. So if they do, that that is a failure. That yeah, is yeah. A, a acknowledgeable, measurable failure. So we just want them to. We want them to keep going one way or another. But, yeah, just I think for Townhands, you just can't lose sight of the fact that mid-table would be big progress over the last couple mm. of seasons. So you can't be, if Town do end up in a bit of a funk and end up in that sort of clutch of six clubs in mid-table, it might get a little bit boring towards the end of the season. But I think you can't take your eye off the fact that that is progress. That is yeah. for, a huge leap forward. Fourteenth <laughs> would be progress. You know, fifteenth massive. Yeah, fifteenth would be progress. It's it's just again, it's the, the 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 sort of the ambition for you and I at least this year coming in was don't be in a relegation fight at any point. So if they, yes, if they achieved that, then fantastic. Uh, and anything sort of top half, I think is is you know job really well done i, I don't know yeah. i i think i think you and i are both struggling a little bit to be honest because there isn't <laughs> although we've just done nearly an hour there's it's, it's increasingly difficult to find new things to say about huddersfield town this season yeah. we, we've sort of we've reached we normally reach this point in about february <laughs> but we've kind but of reached it in november in october this year but I, I think it's also reflective of their recruitment as well because like you can't town needed to completely upcycle the entire squad and you can't do that all in one window um for for a few reasons not just budgetary before anybody immediately puts in the comments oh we need a chairman who spends more money it wasn't about that it's about also retaining a balance and having a sort of core in your squad and they had to look over this summer at defensive recruitments and defensive solidity which they've done and it's worked you know we can't Turton is perhaps the one there's a question mark over, but other than that, everybody mm-hmm. else that the, they recruited is is sort of an 8 out of 10 or above in, in defensive positions. So the problem is, it's not sexy. <laughs> That's not the mm-hmm. exciting part of football. Nobody grows up dreaming of being a central defender. So it does feel like the next couple of transfer windows are where they've got to look at, at you know, refreshing higher up the pitch and looking at the options they've got and deciding if they are the options they want or if they want to, you know, swap yeah. them out for, for different players. And that's when it gets a little bit more exciting. And the other thing is, to be frank, <laughs> there's a lot more to talk about when you're analysing attacking situations and attacking positions because yeah, when you're talking true. about defense, defensive stuff, a lot of it is about being compact and tight and straight lines and not giving space away. And you know that's that's that nobody's listening to this, getting goosebumps, thinking, "Oh, that's lovely stuff." Talk more about it. It's it, just not. That's not what. It'd be <laughs> it's not what football's all about. So I do think we're we're in danger of losing sight of maybe the fact they're sort of like if I'm being generous sort of halfway through the project I think they're yeah. probably a little bit under halfway but yeah it's just not being frustrated that they're not miles further on than they are really when they have such a massive a massive undertaking to do really to become a actually become that competitive top 30 side that Phil Hodgkinson talked about yeah I think you've hit the nail on the head really I think and again it's it's injured players coming back but you know it'd be nice to have an Aaron Rowe to talk about you know just yeah. someone someone yeah. to have or or you know Pippa we know that he loves to get forward and um I think the the first half of last season feels a very long time ago now but you know he, he I think we forget how just how good and how refreshing he was in that first half of last season and if you can get anywhere near that when he's back that would be that would be you know a massive boost um you know Danny Grant is still building his way back up to sort of match fitness after a horrible um sort of 6 to 8 months earlier this year um errands we need to we need to see but you know if Josh Caroma can can turn it on again you know mm. again it's 
coming back to that thing where I think they just need one individual to turn it on at this point and suddenly they go on a bit of a run. But mm. yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Dave, thanks for joining us. Do you have anything else to add before we go? Um, I do, actually. I just wanted to ask a question. Steve, do you know anybody who might be getting a tattoo in the near future? Well, I know someone... Well, it's funny you ask that because as it's going, I won't be doing. Um, so... <laughs> For those who haven't seen, if you've been living under a rock, uh, yeah, I'm. I've my pledge is this: after last year's game, which was a year ago yesterday, where I covered the Preston game topless, um, my pledge this year is that if we reach twenty five thousand pounds on this fundraiser for the Welcome Centre, uh, which is a local food bank in Huddersfield that do fantastic work, and uh, one of the along with Batley Food Bank are uh, one of the beneficiaries of the the fans for food bank donations that. Cowshed Loyal and HTSA have been organising for, I think it's four years now, 2017, um, might even be longer. Um, we're currently on around £13,169, something like that, um, for the the fundraiser for the Welcome Centre. In fact, I'm going to bump that up to £13,200 right now. If that reaches twenty five grand by Christmas, then I will get... After the target is reached, the next town goal scorer will get tattooed on my back. We've had, since we've announced this sort of a week ago, we've had f- about £500 worth of donations just over, which is uh, a decent start. It's pretty good, you know, and obviously massive thanks to those who, who have donated and shared it already. Um, but obviously it's, you know, it's a long way off. I think last year we did about five grand in a weekend, uh, and that's not including the five grand that Fraser Campbell tossed in last year or the £1,000 that came from an anonymous donor uh and also worth saying because i keep forgetting this that um andy takes that chance did also get involved in this fundraiser with their um with the cartoons that they they were doing um soliciting the donations for cartoons but obviously last year you know i know that last year it was a very topical thing with marcus rashford pushing it um and it was brilliant to see the the fundraiser that everyone's done and i know that everyone's just donated to the worthington walk etc times are tough for a lot of people but i really would appreciate if you who are listening because we are talking to to those of you listening could get on there and make a donation if you're in a position to do it uh easy url for you it's huddersfieldtattoo.com uh and we we want as i say we want to get to 25 grand by christmas so i think to be on course for that we really, you know, we really need to hit at least the 14 grand barrier uh, by the end of this week. Uh, that's sort of the marker I'm laying down. Um, so please, yeah, if you're listening to this, HuddersfieldTattoo.com. Um, the Welcome Centre do fantastic work and unfortunately their referrals are only going up and up. More and more people need to use them. So any donations are gratefully appreciated. Yes, and we need to do this because I know for a fact that next year, if we hit this target, Steve's on about changing his name by Depot to Nabisa. So we really need to get this done, people, so we can all move on to the next challenge. Yeah, brilliant. Great stuff. Dave, thanks for joining me and thanks for the prompt there. Uh, And we will see you next time. Goodbye. See you there.